I think the, the interesting thing is always sitting around some cocktail party or even family dinners and people are like, oh, you're the creepy people that know what we're doing on the internet. And, um, <laughs> you know, my, my response is typically, uh, you know, I often say like, okay, well, Brian, do you, do you have kids? Hi, welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. Uh, with us today, Lori Goldberg from Silverlight Digital. Welcome, Lori. Hi. So, Lori, if you could tell our listeners a little bit kind of uh, about how you got to where you're at, uh, that'll give them context for where you're answering the questions and having the conversation from. That'll be super helpful. Yeah, sure. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I run a digital ad agency called Silverlight Digital. I am the founder and CEO uh, Silverlight Digital is a media and marketing company that uh, specializes in the pharma and healthcare space. That's not 100% what we do, but it's about 70%. We also run across other verticals such as um, healthcare. Uh, well, healthcare is what I just said. We also run against other verticals such as um, retail and fi- financial services, travel, some government um, work. And our job is to get the word out there. So if you are marketing a product or um, need results on reaching the right audience, we are the company to do that through media. So the the marketing conversations that you help um, uh, are focused on uh, outreach, right? The But the people that need your help are often coming to you because they're looking to get a return on that marketing investment. How uh, how do you guys work to track that ROI, particularly on some of these kind of harder angles? Everything we do is grounded in data. Um, there's in our field, which tends to be a, a mix of creative and and business. We look at things from not what we feel or how we think, but on what the actual results are telling us. So. We'll typically go to market with a particular campaign that we have a hypothesis about or historical results or the CMO or our clients are, are telling us that this is what who we think our target audience is or this is who we think we should reach. And then oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, but sometimes we get the results back and say, well, that's not actually who we were, who we wanted to target or who we wanted to reach. Um, and it's all grounded in data. And then our, we have the ability to optimize within each campaign and make sure that we're uh, efficiently reaching the people that we need to reach and that we're reaching them um, with uh, their marketing budget to make sure it's efficient. So everything that we do and everything we look at is based on setting up the parameters at the beginning of the campaign. I always like to say to my clients, at the end of this, how are we going to all high five each other and make sure this is successful? And as we go through it, we look back at the stakes in the ground that we put at the beginning to say, yeah, we all said we were going to be successful. We've met them. We've exceeded them. Let's high five each other now. So that that sounds like uh, the data-driven approach is, is definitely something that I think that a lot of marketers use. Um, but in the context of, let's say, a typical pharma engagement, are you talking about um, like literally we're now selling more pills as a result or whatever, or is it? We push drugs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be uh, difficult about it, but it's very, um, 
it's very interesting, right? Because it, particularly in the healthcare space, what they're selling in most cases, and you're you're helping them sell, um, is you know either either drugs or care or something like that, and those are harder, uh, clearly harder to market. Hence the episode kind of context, but clearly harder to market stuff because you can't um, you can't just be shilling like random drugs at people that don't need them. Like that's not helpful. Uh, you don't build lifetime value that way with your customer base. So how do you manage to get, you know, specifically in front of the right targets? And then when you do measure that ROI, like the high five at the end, is that literally pill sales or is it something else that I don't know? Yeah. So there is a subset in the pharma space that is selling pills. There's also a subset that we want to bring awareness to a drug or a category that the user base, which is potential patients and also doctors might not know of. So we take everything from initial product launch. We'll do a market shaping program in a specific category mm. uh, in an unbranded campaign that just talks about what's about to come and the general category. We do everything from clinical trial recruitment to get the right people right. all the way down and or up to established brands that have been in market. And we target two different ways. Well, not two different ways, but two different um, consumer sets. One is the doctor themselves. So are we going after the oncologist or the nephrologist or the dermatologist? And we typically work with our clients to get their NPI level data. So we're really targeting down to that specific doctor, whether mm -hmm. it's in a geography or um, a specific category and reaching them in the places that they are. Doctors are consumers too. So they're also, they're, they're online in the way that they would be online in their everyday life. But they also look at specialty journals or um, social media for doctors like Doximity or a Sermo or a Medscape, right? There's all these different ways that we can reach them. Right. And there's no wasted audience because we're taking the NPI level data, overlaying it over the high subscriber writers, and then finding um, who we should target. And then from a patient standpoint, there's a whole litany of ways, uh, sort of our secret sauce of how we can go target the right audience. And none of this is one-to-one. Um, -one. There's privacy issues. We have to understand right. how that works in the pharma space. Um, so for us, I don't like to say that we are pushing pills on people, which is the question at hand. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. But I think what we should really look at is more, how do we make customers aware that there's new, a new drug in market that could potentially help them so that they're starting to have those conversations with the doctor? And then how do we let the doctors know that there's a new efficacy that has come out or a new um, method mm. of um, whether it's an injection or a pill or any kind of MOA? Right. I mean, and and I didn't mean to uh, imply an, like an immoral context to this. It was just more trying to understand it. It sounds like a lot of the marketing approach, at least on the patient side, is going to be top of funnel, um, you know, uh, exacerbating some of those disease condition kind of awareness conversations to have them then ask that question to their practitioner. Is that right? Uh, not necessarily. It could be top of the funnel, but it could also come down to they've got a super rare disease and if we mm. just targeted everybody in the cancer space for example but then they've got a certain mutation how do we really reach those and is it 
you've already tried a competitive product A, B, and C, and now we want to present to you that there's another option of D. Um, and really specifically, if you're typing in something, for example, in a keyword and you get super specific, we know that you're already further down the funnel than you are if you're just putting in kidney disease, for example. Gotcha. So that buying intent, or I guess it's not really even buying intent in this space because they can't really buy it without permission. Um, but that that's those search queries really indicate that buying intent, and that's kind of how you're you're to translate from outside of the healthcare space when we're doing marketing. It's buying intent, and it's also education awareness, which mm. is important and helpful because um, I'll, I'll give you one example in the erectile dysfunction space, for example. People know about Viagra, but they might not know about a product called Stendra, which has got a very low market share. Um, so how do we help clients understand that there are other products that they potentially could use or that there's a um, different launch that's going to happen that they should be aware of and that we could help educate them or educate the caregiver, quite frankly, whether you're a parent that is um, managing the medication for your child, or whether you are managing it for your aging adults, you need to understand what is out there. And, you know, doctors are obviously the, the authoritative figure on understanding what is the best treatment for the patient. But often we find that it's a two-way street and we need to make sure that our messages are out there so that consumers are smart enough to make choices alongside their healthcare provider. Mm. And and so in that doctor education space, um, you're you're also that that kind of makes this a, a multi pronged uh, kind of approach. When you start reaching into that um, into that doctor space, you you mentioned a couple of different metrics that you're tracking. Um, what can you can you give us a little more insight as to what that means? I, I'm I'm unfamiliar with the abbreviation NPI. I think you were talking about. Yeah, um, every doctor has its own. Um, we'll call it social security number for doctors. Hmm. Uh, so in order to practice, you have a number that's associated with you, whether you're a nurse practitioner or you're a specialty doctor, and we will target based on that, so that we know that we're reaching the right uh, healthcare provider. And you can get data based on like what they're what they're prescribing, how often they prescribe versus not. I mean, exactly. Okay, exactly. So we the ultimate goal, going back to your question on ROI, is script lift. Everybody's looking to understand how do our messages reach the doctor, and then how do we increase script lift. Um, but we look at a, a lot of metrics, front end metrics that get us to script lift, whether it's um, again, on the education side, how many how many doctors are we getting to our site to talk about um, a new efficacy in a drug that's about to launch or about uh, the competitive advantages um, to a, a, something that they may have already been prescribing? And then how do we take these high prescribing doctors and hone in on them so that they're um, keeping keeping their patients, to the end of the duration of the um, the drug, if a drug is supposed to be used for, uh, you know, I don't know, an eighteen month period, for example, how do we yeah, make sure there's no compliant. fall off right. and the retention that has it? But there's 
at the end of the day, most pharmaceutical companies are looking for an increase in sales and they're a business too. And we need to make sure that we are targeting who has the uh, the highest script lift and who has the most potential to write that script. And that's who we um, go after in terms of wanting to make sure that they're reading our messages. Gotcha. So then the, the your clients themselves would do that script lift to sales sort of calculation to figure that out. That correlation we, should be- We can help them with that. Uh, oh, there's okay. a, a number of companies that we have in our back pocket that um, has that data that we could buy. And we do studies based on getting down to that physician level data, which is essentially seeing we, where are the doctors that have the highest potential? It's it's working hand in hand with the client. They come in with their list of who who they know are are, are high subscribers. We can find lookalikes, and we can also look at competitive analysis. And then we'll take the data that we get back, and we can tie that back to a, an ad impression. So uh, a doctor saw this ad three times. This was the journey that they took. We can sequential message based on creatives so that we're talking to them and not um, serving messages or we are serving messages that make sense to them based on where they are. And then ultimately, we can also take that list, which is interesting because sales and marketing are so uniquely tied together, especially in this vertical, Mm -hmm. where we can take that data and then inform the sales reps that are that are in person in the doctors, the the promotional piece where they're, um, here's your list of doctors and here's the people that have been most receptive to marketing and most receptive to um, wanting to in, wanting us to, you know, go after those folks that uh, are more likely to respond to them. So it's kind of a two-prong approach where we're working hand-in-hand marketing and sales to no, here's what we're spending on advertising. And then here's what the conference targeting should look like when doctors are in person or when sales reps are in their offices and who should they really um, look to reach. This sounds outrageously comprehensive. I mean, the amount- That's of, why people uh, hire us. Yeah, no, I mean, the amount of nuance involved seems seems pretty staggering. The I, I think the, the interesting thing is always sitting around some- cocktail party or even family dinners and people are like, oh, you're the creepy people that know what we're doing on the internet. And, um, <laughs> you know, my my response is typically, uh, you know, I often say like, okay, well, Brian, do you, do you have kids? Yup. And are, what age are they? Uh, let's see, I have a 19 and a 15. Okay. So would you rather get ads for your 19, 15 year olds to attend college or to um, maybe, maybe one of your children is into snowboarding and you want to buy them a new snowboard? Would you rather get an ad from Burton or, or Columbia? Or would you rather get an ad from Pampers or something that's completely irrelevant to you? Right. So right. you know that example is a little bit far fetched from the doctor patient. And a little bit more sensitive, obviously, but sites exist and content is free on the internet for those that need to watch ads or get a banner or 
And so if we could be more relevant and hone in on the right target audience, as opposed to giving you an ad for Pampers when it's clearly not in your target audience at all, and we might as well target you. Like, you know, if you are a a male 25 to 54 that lives in Manhattan and owns a dog, you'd rather get an ad for dog food than get an ad for something that's completely irrelevant to you. So most patients actually appreciate when they are going through some kind of a life illness to be able to understand marketing that is relevant to them. Because at the end of the day, we want to help them be more educated and empower them to understand about their illness. Now, we don't target on a one-to-one basis to patients that doesn't fall within HIPAA compliance, but we do target one-to-one to doctors so that um, we can help everybody make better decisions and educate what is out there. So yes, it's extremely complicated, but going back to the question that was asked, um, but that's our job. And our job is to understand the media landscape and all the data providers um, in understand how to use them, who's selling what inventory, um, how to get a proper study done, and how to work with our end clients in the data that they know about their customer and right. overlay it with what media is telling us. So there's a uh, a couple. I have a couple questions. Uh, yeah, you on this. so I think um, that's the point of this. Ask ask away. So the the first one is so you guys are also doing creative, right? Do we do not oh, actually. Okay. Gotcha. So um, and actually, it's an interesting point that I want to d- differentiate. We are media only. We hmm. understand the entire media landscape from a consumer that's watching, listening to a podcast, for example, or that is watching TV, or that is in the subway and looking at ads online and how they commute and their behavior. We do not do creative. We partner with other agencies that will do the creative. They could even be the AOR. I uh, lost my ego a long time ago. Um, a lot of times what will happen is the client will come ultimately to a creative agency, want them to be kind of this agency of record, and they'll be building a campaign and ads and strategy. And then at the end, oh, shoot, we need media. Like just because we build it doesn't mean it's going to come. Right. And so oftentimes, again, the losing my ego at the door. Great. You need, you need media. Let's, let's help you do that. And if you want to take the lead or take the charge on being the agency of record, that's fine. Um, the way it works best and, you know, a shameless plug is if we get involved from the beginning, because then we can help make decisions on what creative we should even um, make right because yeah. here's the target audience and we want to talk to i'll go back to my example before we want to talk to snowboarders because we know that that this subset of customers checked the weather saw that it was going to snow checked google maps they went from new york to vermont and we know that this um and then they've also bought bought a set of k2 skis so we also know that that person is most likely a skier Right. So um, based on on that behavior, we potentially then want to say to our creative agency, like, even though we know that, you know, that this is the person that you should reach and here's how we should reach them. 
Um, so like another example to bring it back into the pharma space is one of our clients um, we work on is in the osteoporosis space. So we know that people think that they just um, have broken bones, but and their clots or that they might be able to drink more milk and that will kind of solve their osteoporosis problem. But really it's, it's, it's people that have weaker bones and it comes out in the form of a fracture. So they're typically at the gym or an active person. So those are the kinds of media insights that could help drive creative. Gotcha. The, just went um, on a little tangent there, so no, no, and I think it's <laughs> I think it's really a, it's a useful example for for folks to understand. As you start um, to to kind of a, as we approach, I guess collectively the cookie apocalypse, how is that going to change the amount of data and what kind of data you get, and and what are your plans for navigating that? There's a whole host of companies out there that have already started working on solutions. Uh, not just working on it, but have come up with solutions that don't involve the cookie. There is, um, you know, they, every year is the year that the cookie is going to go away. And I've heard that for the last three years. So I'm not seeing that the, that that's not going to happen. I'm just seeing that that's not happening today. Right. But there's a litany of tactics and actually wrote a few articles about it, um, about other alternative ways that we could, get the data that we need to get to without uh, having a, to use a cookie. And I think, you know, you know, going back on one of your comments from earlier, one of the things that a lot of folks don't understand about marketing um, is that if the product is legitimately good and it solves the problem, you're actually performing a service by connecting folks in need to a product that solves that problem. Um, it is not strictly streaking, strictly speaking, like tracking data just to keep it in a pile somewhere this is like helping people you know and in the farm and healthcare space that seems really important how does the healthcare more broadly i guess than the pharma conversation how are they differentiated what are the what are the interesting kind of nuances of that space versus the pharma which i know you have the 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 r&d side kind of cycle and all the clinical trials and stuff when you're marketing for a, a, a practitioner or a hospital or hospice or what kind of thing how does that very comparatively. Uh, really understanding the nuances of what we are allowed to say and what we aren't allowed to say in this highly mm. regulated industry it is uh, a skill set that we've honed in and why our business in the pharma space has grown because we understand the vertical and understand the category. There are different ways to market if it's you know starting at its most simplest form of having an ISI within every ad, which is and the Fair Balance Act and all of that. But most notably, it's who can we, what can we say, how can we market, and then understanding the, uh, it's called the LMR, which is the legal medical regulatory of every one of our clients and the process mm -hmm. that it takes to go through that. And the risk, uh, weighing the, the risk aversion or not for each particular client um, and then I think the timelines is, is important. So if we know that we have an LMR review on Tuesdays and we need to get something launched and we know that there's going to be multiple revisions that go back and forth, it's incumbent upon us as the agency to build the proper timelines to make sure that we go in market. A lot of times timelines are 
determined by an FDA approval of a competitive drug, or the timeline is determined on when we want to get a new creative campaign out. So I think that understanding all of the various nuances that go into this highly regulated category um, is something that's second nature to us. Yeah, that's uh, super interesting. And, um, and I think it's quite clear at this stage of the game that um, if you're contemplating going this on your own, you should probably not. Um, so my uh, natural next question is, who should be reaching out to you? When should they do so? And how should they do so? Well, we love clients with large budgets. No. Um, <laughs> Me too. We, <laughs> uh, the, the ideal sweet spot for a client for us is not necessarily the largest player in this space. An ideal client for us is um, we like to call them challenger brands mm. because we're scrappy independent agency. We're not a large holding company. Everybody that works at Silverlight, I've pretty much pulled out of a large agency. So we understand the what it takes, but we may not have the largest budgets to go after. And so therefore... We want to spend every dollar as if it's our own and judiciously look at the ROI, find the white spaces. So if you are in the market for a media agency um, that has those same kind of guidelines, that's that would be an ideal client for us. And we, uh, how do you reach me? You can reach me at um, lgoldberg at silverlightdigital.com, which is my email or uh, my LinkedIn profile. Awesome. And we'll make sure those are in the show notes uh, right below this part somewhere. Okay. <laughs> so um, next uh, and and kind of final question here as we wrap up um, in your journey. I mean, it, again, the, 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 the data here, the way you're doing this sounds very, very nuanced, but, but broadly, I mean, um, what, what are your major takeaways in your career thus far uh, that have been like huge lessons that you've learned along the way? I think uh, surrounding yourself with smart people, both on my team, from the people I hire to my clients. Mm. I love clients that we're collaborative with and can challenge us, makes us ultimately smarter. Um, so I would say surround yourself with smart people. I would say um, lose your ego at the door because I don't consider us Joe buyer and a data provider as Joe vendor. I consider us Joe partners. And so together let's go sell drugs. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's what I would say. <laughs> All right. And the last one. Uh, I would say that as you get older, um, your bones are a lot less likely to heal. So Oh, geez. <laughs> and it's only now at the end of the episode. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're injured. Well, what can we do? Um, so, uh, so in other words, be careful. I like be careful. It. Yeah. Um, Lori, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I think our listeners are going to really benefit from getting a little more new, you know, understanding of this nuanced space. Um, and as you learn more and want to come back and, and share that with our audience, please feel free to reach out and we'll get you back on the show. Great. Thanks, Brian. Hey, 
you yes you it's uh 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet or maybe you do but you're struggling with it uh we will talk to you about that uh for free we'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck uh, whether or not we can help you for sure but also uh, if you don't have one yet what are the like first five things you can do uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward uh, those consults are free so reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com thanks Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. <laughs>